Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I'm telling you right now, this is the place to be because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. We happen to have a really great topic for you. I have a quote from Shep Hyken, H-Y-K-E-N, if you're looking him up, American customer service expert, author, and speaker, and he has so many books, but the one that we're going to talk about for just a second here, the quote is from The Amazement Revolution. Aha. He deals with customers. He tells businesses to be honest, courteous, and train your staff appropriately. What could be better than that? Here's the quote and listen up. There is a big difference between a satisfied customer and a loyal customer. Just let that sink in for a second. So we're looking at B2B. That's our audience. You're global. You're listening to us all over the world, and we appreciate you. Your business success can no longer rely on advertising alone. You know that media has gone digital. You know that messages are bombarding everyone, every second and millisecond of every minute of every day. Well, what's going on with the advertising? What we used to think of, you take an ad to paper in a journal. Uh, maybe you put a free white paper out there on the Internet. You make some cold calls. That's not cutting it anymore. Customers are the new voice for your business. That's right. Their influence is crucial to your continued growth. It's not about what you say. It's about who is saying what about you, the new voice. Very important. So you want to have brand loyalty, loyalists. You want to have evangelists. You want to have advocates. You want to have people who are basically influencers, not paid influencers, people who know your company, know your brand, know your products, know your services. How can you get them to help you grow and drive your business? Well, you need a new type of marketing strategy. You have to shift how you engage with them across all digital platforms because that's where they are today. They are in every possible way interfacing with you, looking at you, figuring out what they want to do with you, whether they want to buy from you or your competitors. And you also need to Deal with them in person whenever that opportunity arises. What's the point of all this? You have to drive trust. You have to excite and incite action. And you have to mitigate any issues. Ooh, you want to take care of anything that has a negative on it. We have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure out how you can create brand loyalists, B2B brand loyalists. So that's our topic today. B2B loyalists, the journey to lifelong brand loyalty that's what you need to aspire to. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. I am Bonnie D. Graham, and I intend to be for the whole rest of the next hour. Let me just tell you who we have on the show, and then I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you so you can get to know them a little bit better. We're welcoming back. Well, he's been on so many times, I told him he could probably run the show, but I'm not going to let him do it. Rob Levin. He's the CEO and Chief SMB Officer at RSL Media and the Editor-in-Chief of Speak SMB. He is joined by a newcomer today. We have Sarah Robinson. She's the CEO and Chief Strategist at an organization called Fierce Loyalty. Can't wait for her to tell us what she does. And joining us is another returning panelist, Andrew Steen. If you're looking him up, it's S-T-E. A-N-E. He's Senior Director of North America Sales Channels at SAP. Welcome to my panelists. Rob Levin, you're up first. Please tell everybody, well, if they don't know who you are after all this time, it's about time they learn. So tell us what you're doing and what's new with you at RSL Media. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. We, uh, what we do is we work with primarily larger brands. Uh, I'm not going to mention, I guess I can't mention them because one of them is a sponsor. Um, we work with primarily larger brands to help them attract, engage, nurture, convert, and retain small and mid-sized businesses, predominantly through content-based programs, but also through advisory work. And we also uh, we publish our insights twice a month over at speaksmb.com. Okay. Thank you very much. Anything new since we spoke last? Anything, any exciting projects? You can mention your, uh, yes, your customer. Projects. I don't want to mention companies. We're, we're doing a really interesting project for a company in the telecom space, a new one, 
actually two, yeah. two new ones, two different telecom companies. Um, uh, I can't go into too much detail. One of them, though, has to do with uh, attracting new, new small businesses. So I, I think that's a real exciting project for us that we're excited mm, about. That is. That's a good sign, isn't it, Rob, that there are new small businesses, that people are taking there, that giant leap of faith, right? That's what we want in the there, economy. There always are. You know, the interesting thing is it happens in both good economies and bad economies, uh, and usually for different reasons. Uh, but even in a bad economy, which fortunately we haven't had in quite some time and hopefully won't have for some time, uh, you get a lot of new businesses starting because people all of a sudden, some people don't have the jobs that they had the day before. So there's mm-hmm. always a, a constant stream of new businesses. And the question is, how long will they stick around? How long will they be around? Will they That's get right. to the big leagues? That's the question. We had a, a business expert on uh, Susan Solovic many years, several years ago. Sure. And she, she, you know Susan, and she testifies before yep. Congress on small businesses. And I, one of the very early Game Changer shows, must have been seven, eight years ago, she was one of my guests. I remember it was just after New Year's, probably 2012, 2013. And she said the question was, when is a good time to start a, a new business, a small business? The answer is right now. Forget about what the economy is doing. Start it. Figure it out and get it going. So we're going to leave that one on the table, but thank you. I'm glad we have a mutual friend there, Rob, and welcome back. Now let's go to our newcomer on the panel, Sarah Robinson at Fierce Loyalty. Sarah, welcome to Game Changers Radio. We're delighted to have you. And Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your company does? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am the CEO and Chief Strategist at FierceLoyalty.com, or Fierce Loyalty, that's my website, and what we do is work with organizations to build a 360-degree culture of Fierce Loyalty. We work with internal culture, and then we work with brand and customer-client culture so that there's loyalty all the way around to an organization and to a brand. It's really fun work. I bet it is. Sarah, we were just talking with Rob Levin a moment ago about new businesses. How long ago did you start Fierce Loyalty? And what was your your thought was? It's a good economy. It's a bad economy. It's time for me to start my business. Was that What was on your mind, if I can ask? I actually didn't consult the economy. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I wasn't looking at that. Um I have been a consultant for over 25 years, and one of the things that I got asked to look at over and over again was how to build a fiercely loyal community, because that's what I do. That's how I've always done business. It's way more fun, I think, and way easier if I have a a ton of people who want to go in the same direction I do. So to harness all of that, I just build a community around whatever it is I'm doing. So um, I got asked about that and to help people and organizations do that. And so someone said, well, why don't you put it down in a model? And I said, well, everybody knows how to do that. <laughs> and they were like, um, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I just assumed everybody knew how to do that. So I fleshed out a model for how to build fierce loyalty and then wrote a book about it. And from then, that's where all of my um, company's work is now focused, is not only equipping uh, organizations to build an internal culture of fierce loyalty because that reduces um, turnover cuts the expense of bringing on new people. Mm-hmm. And then if your internal people and employees are loyal, it's a whole lot easier to then take that out to your customers and clients. I have found over and over again that is a direct correlation. So that's what I do. Thank you very much. And you dropped the word loyal so many times that, Andrew, just give me a minute before I bring you on to introduce yourself. I'm looking back at the bio of Shep Hyken, whom I quoted in the beginning of the show, Sarah, and I'm looking at some of his yes. books, which I didn't mention, and his books in 1999, which is, what, 20 years ago? He wrote The Loyal Customer, A Lesson from a Cab Driver. 
who a taxi driver yep. secrets about building. And then in 2009, which is not that, oh, it's only 10 years ago, he wrote The Cult of the Customer, creating an amazing customer experience that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists. And then in 2011, he wrote The Amazement Revolution, seven customer service strategies to create an amazing customer and employee experience. And in 2013, he wrote Amaze Every Customer Every Time, 52 Tools for Delivering the Most Amazing Customer Service on the Planet. Is he one of your icons? I know I, I just picked the quote because I thought it was cool for the show. Sarah, are you a follower? Well, when Shep you read Hagen? it, I was like, I love that quote so much. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I, you know, I read so, there's so much out there, especially in the last 10 years, last 20 years. Everybody knows that that's what it's about. Everybody's after building that long-term customer, that long-term client, because then they don't have to beat the bushes at the end of every month, right? They have repeat revenue, engaged clients that will then go out and evangelize uh, for you. I mean, he's one of the great people who've written about it. Seth Godin's one of the great people who've written about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much great stuff out there, and I love to read. So I will um, wind up with a stack of books by my bed. That's what I do on vacation. I read business books. And my friends and family are like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) I love what I do. I want to know more. I want to learn. I love what I do. And I will talk about building loyalty all day I love it so much. Well, we're very happy to have you on the panel and and welcome as a newcomer. Andrew Steen, I didn't forget about you. Andrew, catch us up to date. You were on a couple of weeks ago. What are you up to now in terms of being a senior director of North American Sales Channels at SAP? Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. So, um, you know, I focus primarily, my activities are focused on channel strategy, process innovation, and helping to build scale for the partners, which includes demand generation and marketing, things of that nature. Um, So that's what I'm focused on most of the time now. I also spend some of my time um, on the board of directors of a cannabis company and also helping them to kind of improve their business process in a very new and very rapidly changing industry. And there's an interesting market. And so many people are climbing on board that bandwagon, aren't they? Aren't they, aren't they Andrew? Yeah. I, uh, I have a new series called Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. And we did a whole show about a month and a half ago on CBD oil and, and related products. And I think we called it uh, Miracle Cure Myth or Woohoo. Who you with something like that? Try to figure out. And I had two MDs and two people in in the production business. Very very interesting topic. So thank you to all three of you for introducing yourselves. And now we're going to reintroduce you through the inspirational quotes you sent me. And we have some really really good quotes from my panelists today. So Rob Levin sent a line from Oh my goodness, Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, two icons in the music business. The album was Out of Our Heads. The D- 1965. I bet you we have listeners who weren't even born then, Rob. At the uh, awards were the Grammy Hall of Fame, the NME Award for Best New Disc of the Year. Here's the line, and Rob will tell us what in the world it has to do with our topic. When I'm driving in my car and the man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no satisfaction. I prom- I didn't promise I wouldn't sing, so I didn't break my promise. Rob! What in the world does this quote have to do with our topic of building lifelong brand loyalty? I I think it's painfully obvious. Anybody else? (laughs) (laughs) Or or am I going to have to just go ahead and talk about it? You have to talk Uh, about it. This is talk radio, Rob Levin. Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, you know, 1965, so like, you know, 54 years ago, uh, Jagger was singing about this, and it was I. The, what I hear here is he's complaining about all these TV commercials, which of course were in their heyday back then. Um, and it was you know just shouting basically with manipulative uh, uh, creative. Um, and of course, this is for consumer products. But you know the the irony is there are companies that are still doing this today, that are still using these old school push advertising. Uh, techniques where it's all all about buy me now and uh, here's our features and benefits and you know buy me now and uh, that that's not the certainly not in the B two B world that's not the way that people are buying today in fact people are resisting that uh, 
to a large degree. So that's the connection between uh, satisfaction and, uh, and our show today. Thank you very much. I like that. And, and it goes, actually, Rob, it goes beautifully with my opening quote, which Sarah loved. There's a big difference between a satisfied customer and a loyal customer, talking about Shep Hyken's immortal words. Thank you, Rob. Love that one. Sarah Robinson has sent us a quote. And the Stones are on tour while well, they're finishing their tour. So oh, okay. Timely. It certainly is. And there's nobody on the planet who doesn't know the Stones, even if they don't remember the date of this song. So Sarah Robinson has gone very, very literary on us, and she sent us a quote from William Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice, Act 1, Scene 1. And Sarah, I looked up the whole set of lines that go with this, the line she sent. <laughs> yes, I did. Graciano says, you look not well, Signor Antonio. You have too much respect upon the world. They lose it. That do buy it with much care. Believe me, you are marvelously changed. And Antonio replies, I hold the world, but as the world Gratiano, a stage where every man must play a part and mine a sad one. And here is the key to where Sarah picked up the line. Gratiano replies, let me play the fool with mirth and laughter. Let old wrinkles come. Sarah, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but I have the whole set of lines here. So how did you get this with mirth <laughs> and laughter? Little keep reading. I, well, I, um, Shakespeare's my guy. Um, I love him. He has he understands human nature and human character so well, and is still relevant today. And the reason I love that particular quote, especially for this show, is it's about levity. It's about lightening up. It's about don't take yourself so seriously. It's you know we try so hard. We want to. You know, we don't want, we want to laugh, but we don't want wrinkles. You know, we don't, we, we want to control so tightly. And um, for me, and in the work that I do, it's giving up that tight, tight control that really paves the way for the kind of loyalty that we're talking about today. It's about just being. That's what consumers want. They want real. They want um, to feel like they're connecting with someone who understands their challenges and their life. And if we're putting up this plastic front, that's impossible to achieve. Thank you very much. I do have the rest of the lines. I'll just read a couple more here. Let me go back to Graciano. I do. Let me play the fool with mirth and laughter. Let old wrinkles come and let my liver rather heat with wine than my heart cool with mortifying groans. Why should a man whose blood is warm within sit like his grandsire, cut in alabaster, sleep when he wakes and creep into the jaundice by being peevish? I tell thee what, Antonio, I love thee and tis by love that speaks. I'm going to stop there before I get too carried away. Sarah, thank you for that. <laughs> We like we you, Sarah Robinson. We'll have another show on Shakespeare. <laughs> You're invited back. The The technology of the times in Shakespeare, how he's surviving through the digital world. I love it. Andrew Steen being so patient. Andrew has sent us a wonderful line from Times Like These by the Foo Fighters. The album is One by One, O-N-E by O-N-E, released in 2002. The songwriters are, of course, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, Nate Mandel, and Chris Shiflett. And the genre, of course, is all alternative in indie. Let me read the lines be preceding this, Andrew, and then we'll get to what you said. I, I'm a one-way motorway. I'm the one that drives away, then follows you back home. I, I'm a streetlight shining. I'm a wild light blinding bright, burning off alone. And here comes the refrain that Andrew was quoting. It's times like these you learn to live again. It's times like these you give and give again. It's time like these you learn to love again. It's times like these and time again. I love the song. Andrew, thank you for this. So tell me, it's times like these you learn to live again. How does this apply to our topic? Yeah, I mean, to start with, I think it's about positivity. And I think we could all use a little bit of positivity, a little bit more of that these days. Um, And I think against the backdrop of this particular topic, it's about continuously reinventing yourself, your company, and the relationship that you have with your customers. So you've got to learn to live again each and every time. If change is constant, progression is required. So if you want to live, if you want to live again, you've got to keep learning. So that's, for me, that's what it's about. It's about not 
staying where you are in the past and just assuming that that's going to be fine going forward. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Do you think brands are learning these lessons the hard way, Andrew? Do you think brands are, are listening to a show like this and saying, eh, we're still doing things the way we used to, so we lost a little business last year. Well, maybe they just don't get us. We'll just keep plowing forward. It'll all be all right. It's a big competitive, connected world. Or do you think they're sitting up and saying, we really have to re-strategize. We really have to look at what we're doing. We really have to take it down to the person-to-person level and all the way up to the digital everywhere, every channel level. Do you think they're paying attention, Andrew? I think they're trying to. I mean, I I, I would say, first of all, um, a lot of people think of brands as just, you know, big brands like whether it's Staples or Coke or whatever, but everybody's got a brand. And so whatever your brand happens to be, whatever size company you happen to have, your brand is what people think of you. Um, I think people are trying to, to listen. I think they want their brand to sing out and to ring out. Um, they're not necessarily sure how. So I always assume best intentions for people. And then, you know, based on that, I think, all right, so how can we help them achieve what they're trying to do, which in this particular case is create brand loyalty. So I know we're going to talk about that with some of the conversation that we're going to have today, but so yes, I believe that they're trying to do it, um, whether they're doing a good enough job, whether they're investing in the right ways to make it happen, that's a secondary question. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let me just quickly go around the table. Rob, what do you think? Are companies paying attention or are they just saying, mm-hmm. well, it's tough out there and it'll, it'll work out? What do you think? How much effort is being put I, into this concept? Yeah, I could, um, I could spend days talking about this because, you know, what, what we do, and I'll talk more about this, is more aligned, is what companies need to be doing. And, you know, some companies are a little bit more open to these discussions than others, uh, and it requires some change. And I, I think, unfortunately, I think larger companies, the bigger brands, are getting more, um, uh, more resistant to change. They, they are see, they're, they're risk-adverse by nature, and the irony of, of that is that the risk, I think, of not evolving and not changing is actually bigger than the risk of making those changes, but that, that's not consistent with the way a lot of bigger brands are, are operating today. Um, and what's happening is, whether it's an upstart or a more mature competitor that is evolving, those brands are seeing their market share uh, increase. A great example is when I went to the Small Business Banking Conference Last November in Nashville, you had uh, community banks, some of the, which have been around for dozens and dozens of years. You had regional banks, and then the, and then the big the big banks, and uh, all of them, not so much the big banks because the big banks, you know, do have some, some pretty good technology of the resources for that. But even them to some degree, but certainly the regionals and the community banks were all over the exhibitors and the exhibitors of course were the fintechs that are getting customer experience right they're using data that banks had access to for all these years much better than the banks are and uh... these the fintechs were really the bells of the ball because mm-hmm. they are uh... starting to grab market share and even even in an industry like banking so i think that larger companies need to be listening more and need and and from the cmo on down they need to be open to, uh, to evolving a, li- a little bit more quickly. Thank you very much. Sarah, what's your thought on this? Are they paying attention? From my work, what I see most often when I first arrive at a client is they are, I wouldn't be there if they weren't at least somewhat interested. Mm-hmm. But what they really want to do is say all the right things without having to actually change anything. (laughs) Does that make sense? They want to be interested. They know they're supposed to be interested. They're supposed to look interested, but how can we look interested without really changing what we do and how we do it? And when I start working with the C-suite, that's always where I start. That's what we have to get to first is you, if you keep saying one thing and actually doing another thing, your integrity is going to go down the toilet and you can't get that back. Once it's gone, it's gone. So we have to talk about, do you actually want this or do you just want to, you know, whitewash it, a l- whitewash yourself a little bit and try to appear that way? Because those are two completely different strategies. 
and I won't do the second. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. Thank you all. That was a a good topic. Andrew, I'm glad we started it with you. Let's go around the table one more time before we take a break and get a little bit more up close and personal. We might even not take a break. I don't know. We're, We're lurching toward the halfway point. So much interesting conversation going on. Rob Levin, where are you today? We need a continent or a hemisphere or a region or an ocean somewhere nearby. And we'd love to know what's your favorite drink that powers you to do what you do so well. Rob Levin? I'm in Midtown Manhattan, and I'm going to change your question a little bit. Uh, I am going to mention, which I have mentioned on a previous show, uh, Scotch whiskey. I do not drink it during the day. It does not power me through the day. (laughs) However, I'm sitting here today, got a lot of work to do, yet tomorrow night uh, I have a uh, what we call Scotch night here that I do with a very well-known entrepreneur and a bunch of other Scotch drinkers. We do it a few times a year, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's exactly the kind of answer I wanted, Rob. So you're there right you on point there. Thank you. It's either what's your favorite or what do you wish you were drinking or what are you going to be drinking after? I don't know. It's beer o'clock somewhere, so we don't judge on the time frame. Sarah Robinson, where are you situated today? And what's your favorite drink or what do you wish you are drinking right now? Today I am in my home state of Alabama in Birmingham, and I am currently drinking what does power me every single day, which is coffee, copious amounts of coffee. I drink an insane amount. I always say that my charming disposition is in the bottom of the third cup. I have to get there before anybody can even talk to me. (laughs) So even my children know that. Don't talk to mom until she said coffee. Uh, Do you have a favorite brand, Sarah? I'm drinking Favorite brand? Um, there's some local. There's some local. Um, I really try to wherever, whenever I travel, I try to drink um, what's local and fresh roasted. And there's some local um, coffee roasters here in Birmingham that do some lovely, some lovely roasts. Bicycle is what I'm drinking right now. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I hope you're not drinking it while you're riding one. We'll leave that one on the table or in the parking lot here. Andrew Steen, uh, you knew I was going to do that, Sarah. You know me well enough. We've only known each other 22 minutes, but we know each other well. Andrew Steen, where are you today? Where are you today? What do you love to drink? So I'm in Toronto today, which is the home office. And and last time I went with an alcoholic drink, this time I'm going to go non-alcoholic, and I'm going to say espresso. Um, for me, I didn't start drinking coffee or caffeine in general till about five years ago, and I have twins, and so I went through <laughs> the early years of twins without caffeine, which I'm not sure how I did that, but anyways, I did. Um, now I drink espresso because aside from mainlining caffeine, that's the very fastest way to get the caffeine in your system, um, and I only started drinking coffee at all, or caffeine in this case, um, because I was working on an incredibly complicated and boring project, which was very math intensive, and I just couldn't stay awake. And so I brought uh, an espresso machine, um, and my wife asked me, why are you buying this? And I said, it's a job saver. So <laughs> it, worked out. it worked out. I managed, I was three weeks on a project that couldn't solve it. I bought this espresso machine, started drinking espresso, and had it solved and simplified, uh, extremely simplified within a week. So espresso is my power coffee or my power drink. Andrew, you got to do what you got to do. It's all about getting the work done. I'm in your corner on that one. That's great. Oh, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. We have cooled down from the 100 degree where we were hovering for months. We're down in the high 60s, low 70s. It's beautiful. It's actually a sunny, but lots of fluffy white cloud days. And Sarah and Andrew, I'm not allowed anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and I think you know why. So we're just going to leave it at that. All I'm allowed to have is water, water, water cool, clear water. Yes, we're going to take a quick break, even though we're running a little bit late, but we've already had a really good conversation. I want to give my panelists a chance to have a pause that refreshes, uh, and then we're going to come back, and Andrew, we're going to dive right into the, I'm sorry, Rob, we're going to dive right into the roundtable with one of your statements. We'll pick one off air, and then we're just going to go quickly around the table, 90 seconds each, talking about Rob's statement, and then we will pick one from Sarah and one from Andrew. Let's see how far we get today. We might have to do part two. Who knows? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, whatever the heck you're doing. 
Just stick around because we're coming right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big. Work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Exactly, and we're talking today about B2B loyalists. You want them, you need them, your business needs them to survive. We're talking ambassadors, advocates, really, really, really happy customers and prospects, perhaps, the journey to lifelong brand loyalty. Special panelists today, Rob Levin at RSL Media, Sarah Robinson at Fierce Loyalty, and Andrew Steen at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie, and we'll just stick with the one name for now. We're going to start the roundtable formally with a statement from Rob Levin. He said, before the show, he told me, it starts with the mission of your organization, which for many needs to evolve. The mission should be tied to your customer success, not, listen up, not to producing the best product or service. Rob, this sounds very provocative to me. Why don't you tell us more, please? There, there, uh, there's so much that we can, we can talk about here. So I, I want to I focus as much as I can on the theme of the show today and, and, and about how traditional advertising is, is not the way of the future for B2B sales or even maybe of today. And uh, it, it really is about transforming the entire organization, but certainly about marketing to be about helping your customer. Um, it's not about selling the, the drill. It's about telling them how to get the perfect hole. And, uh, you know, Sarah made an interesting point earlier about, about whitewashing, and that's why I think that it has to start with the mission. If, if, if somebody in marketing goes, you know, we're going to just start to do a little thing to, to show that the customer that we really want to help them but it's not, a, it's not a major initiative, and it doesn't have the full support of the marketing department, much less the company, then it's not going to produce the results that it's capable of, which can be really uh, amazing results. So the, the, company, the, the mission of a company has to be uh, tied into the customer success, not just about the product or service, particularly today when so many products or service, services can be commoditized. Uh, the way that you help the customer, and this could be customer experience, it could be content around having them, providing them with ideas and how, and how to solve certain problems, that's going to be the differentiation uh, going forward for most companies. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Certainly is a flip in the way they used to do things. Sarah Robinson, join us. Agree or disagree with Rob Levin? I completely agree, Rob, and that's one of the reasons I start in the C-suite, because if it's not in the C-suite, it's really, um, it's impossible to do it in the rest of the organization. You know, I remember way back in the day when you do a strategic plan, right? The whole company would come together and you do write this mission and this vision and, you know, it, it would be for five years, you know, <gasps> maybe only three. But then it would go up on some shelf somewhere and collect dust. 
And it cannot be like that now. I love what you said about the mission has to be evolving and it has to be customer focused because there only, you know, there's so many similar widgets out there that you're selling the widget isn't what gonna is isn't what's gonna make somebody loyal. It's how you sell the widget, how they feel about selling the widget, and that can only come from the mission of your organization. Thank you very much. We're flipping the idea of a mission. It used to be we will make the best of this and the best of that. We will do it efficiently, blah, blah, blah. Andrew Steen, join us. Comments, please. Yeah, I love what Rob said. You know, it's not about the drill. It's about creating the perfect hole. I mean, that's such a simple analogy, but it's so true. I mean, Simon Sinek talks about this idea of starting with why. Don't assume people know why as far as your mission is concerned. You have to communicate that. I'd say start with communicate that that internally, making sure that people know and understand what it is that you do, why it is that you're doing it, and then you start to communicate that externally. That becomes, that informs your external marketing message. What are the problems that you're solving or the opportunities that you're creating for your customer? It's not about the product that you have per se, um, it's about the outcomes that you're driving for your customers, and that ties back to your mission, and, and it absolutely should. But just don't assume that everybody understands what your mission is. Um, be really crisp and clear about it. Communicate it as broadly as you can. Thank you very much, all. Good topic, Rob. Let's look at Sarah's notes here. Sarah, um, let's talk about influencers. I mentioned that in the beginning, talking about ambassadors and advocates and evangelists. You say traditional influencers are losing their power to persuade jaded customers. Let's take it a step further. Sarah, tell us more, please. Um, I think we are all oversensitive now to when we have an influencer selling us something. The real influencers for me are my peers. If I want to buy something, the place I go is my peer group. What do you know about this? How do you know about that? We have um, community Facebook groups. We have mom Facebook groups. And that's where purchase decisions are vetted um, for people, consumers like me. And I believe that in the B2B world, it's the same way. We don't want a traditional influencer telling us how great something is because chances are that, quote, influencer is being paid or compensated in some way. The real influencers are peers who are already loyal to a particular um, company, service, product, whatever. So I think that's what I mean when I say that the power of the traditional influencer is waning. We're all pretty certain sort of what their relationship is with the product and the company that they're trying to get us to buy. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Andrew Steen, agree or disagree on the role of influencers? Are they fading? Should you stop paying them if you're a small to mid-sized business? How would you approach that? I think influencers are critical. Um, The way I think about it is, you know, each of us has some ability to be an influencer. So the way I think of it is share your expertise globally and solve problems locally. Sharing globally allows you to build trust with your peers, with your customers, etc. Solving locally is basically what you get paid for. If you educate for free, you won't really have to look for customers. They're going to come and find you, especially if you're doing that broadly and that message is getting out there. So, they say share expertise globally and solve problems locally um, and make sure that the message gets out there clearly. Thank you. Rob Levin, what do you think? I think as, as, as content marketing uh, continues to grow as uh, a big part of, of companies' marketing programs, uh, there's two things that were mentioned here that are, are really critical. One is peer-to-peer, and uh, Sarah mentioned it in, in, uh, in the reference of, a, of her peer group, and I belong to a couple of peer groups, and there's nothing like them. But uh, brands of all sizes could be, could be leveraging peer-to-peer in different ways, and that's with customer stories, stories about your customers that uh, other like customers are going to really appreciate. Because 
particularly uh, in, for, for small and mid-sized businesses, you want to know what those other small and mid-sized businesses are doing and how they're doing it. So that's a huge opportunity for companies of all sizes. And then also, you know, talking about influencers, we, for, for years, even before the term influencers uh, was really big, we always said that it's not necessarily somebody with the biggest following, but it's really about working, uh, brands, again, of all sizes, working with those subject matter experts that are working with your target market every day. So in, in, in our world, as we're helping big brands sell to small and large, uh, small and mid-sized customers, we, we find and we have a network of these small uh, of these subject matter experts that work with small and mid-sized businesses every day, and they're the ones that are really fueling our content. So we're getting the absolute best cutting-edge, practical information that will help our brands better engage the small and mid-sized business market. Thank you very much. Sarah, good topic. Let's move around to Andrew. I'm trying to cover as much as we possibly can. Andrew, something very provocative in your notes here. You say lifelong brand loyalty is a myth. No one should feel safe. It's never been easier for vendors to be displaced. Ooh, that's a warning. How does that work? Andrew, tell us more. Yeah, I mean, you know, the days of, of, we used to talk about, you know, you try to get that initial sort of 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 group because that's where the brand loyalty gets created. But that's, that's kind of gone particularly in the B2B space. Um, there's so much easier to enter into a market in cloud-based environments than it, have, it ever has been in the past. So this idea of creating brand loyalty, you know, you don't create brand loyalty you are constantly working with brand loyalty. It is an active, not a create and then w- and then create and then wait. It's a create and continue. Um, and so you have to ask yourself, you know, what's the investment of time, people, and money, the primary resources that any business has, how much of that is being dedicated towards customer loyalty? And if the answer is, well, we don't know, it's probably not enough. If the answer is, well, I know, but I don't really know how to quantify it. Okay, then figure that out. Like that's where you have to understand what it is that we're spending, what are the results that we're getting. So measuring what it is that you're doing. But um, yeah, I just don't believe that brand loyalty uh, is really a thing anymore. I think I think brand loyalty has, for the most part, gone out the window. You have to constantly win your your customers every single day. Interesting perspective. Rob Levin, chime in here, please. Agree or disagree? Add some flavor to it. This is the opportunity where where small and mid-sized businesses can crush larger businesses because larger businesses, particularly public companies that are focused on quarterly earnings, they really, they may talk about it, but uh, what I don't, I don't see companies really focused on on the lifetime value of the customer, and that's continually, as, as Andrew was saying continually investing and putting effort into making sure that they are beyond happy. They are, they are just absolutely thrilled with your brand. A small and mid-sized business without that quarterly pressure has the ability to do that, and it's a huge opportunity for them. Thank you. Sarah Robinson, what do you think? Being displaced sounds scary to me. It, it does, but it is very real. Uh, people can switch Widgets any day. There are 12 widgets in every vertical category. There are, you know, more choices than any of us know what to do with. And what I loved about what Andrew said was, and I say it all the time, you have to earn that loyalty every single day. Building fierce loyalty is not a once and done. It's a continuous relationship. And... I agree that, you know, the small and mid-sized businesses have a nimbleness to be able to do things um, quickly and respond quickly to their marketplace that bigger companies, it's like trying to turn a big cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. It takes, you know, 1,200 people to sign off on the smallest change when a small to mid-sized business can respond develop a program, test something so quickly that they can see in real time, is this furthering our customer loyalty? And, uh, it, again, it is something that is an ongoing process. So I absolutely agree with that idea. 
Thank you. We have time for one more statement here. Rob, I'm going back to your notes, and here's something that's as provocative as what we've been discussing. You say you can still advertise, which is what one of the premises in my opening, Rob and Sarah and Andrew. I said it's not the same old, same old. You just can't do ads. you got to do a lot more. You can still advertise, but the message changes. Your creative isn't a slick slogan as much it is distributing your content. Rob, can you unpack this for me, please? We have just a couple minutes here. Yeah, I'm going to give you, I can, again, I, this is one of those things I could talk about for hours, so I'm going to give you just a little sliver of it. Um, research has shown that of a, 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 a company's target market, 3% are ready to buy today, 97% uh, are, represent potential future buyers or buyers in the, in the future. And if you think about it, if you think about sending out messages about try now, buy now, here's a discount, here's a special offer, that might resonate with that 3%, and that 3% is important. They're going to make the cash register ring today, but it does, they don't res- resonate at all with that 97%. If instead you focused your, you took your, your advertising dollars and you can do some really good targeting now with, with paid social, and you took those, and as well as paid search, you took those advertising dollars and instead were promoting your content on, hey, we can help you, or not, here's some tips on how to do a better job at this or that. What you're going to do is you can still accelerate that 3%, but now you're attracting that 97%, getting that opportunity to build trust and to generate demand. Uh, and you're going to get a much bigger return on your advertising dollars. Thank you very much. And that takes us right up to our crystal ball predictions round. Rob, you've done this before. Andrew, you've done this before. And Sarah, you're new. Rob, let's start with you, even though you just spoke. And let's see. Let's look up to between now and 2025, if you want to go out that far. What will change about this concept of building lifelong brand loyalty between now and then? If you want to put a tech spin on it, Rob, that's fine. Otherwise, I'm giving you 60 seconds to look into that crystal ball and tell me what you see. Rob Levin? Yeah, I, I wish I had something amazing to share with you, but I'm just going to kind of connect the dots about what's been discussed today because the discussion's been really good. And the, the, here's the, the prediction is, is the brands that are dedicating themselves to helping the customer solve the, 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 what it is they're trying to do to uh, overcome the challenges, to capitalize on the opportunities, and go beyond just the product. Those are the companies that are going to be successful in 2025, and it's, it's really as simple as that. Now, the process for particularly the bigger companies to transition to that, that's a whole different ballgame, but it starts with first realizing that we're not in the, in the business of selling drills. We're in the business of helping our customers make the perfect hole. Thank you very much. All in one. There we go. Sarah Robinson, I'm giving you, Sarah, you're new. I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Don't tell the other guys I want to play favorites. So take 90 seconds for your prediction. Sarah Robinson, go. Fantastic. Well, just to further what Rob just said, I think the companies that are going to be successful in 2025 are the customers that are going to understand that it is an ongoing relationship. Their customer, it's, you know, it's a relationship. It's not a in-your-face, bye-bye-bye relationship anymore. It's what problems do you have? How can we help you solve those problems? Here, let me make a referral to a company that sells the solution to that problem because we don't. Those are the companies that are going to have loyalty. They will become a source for their customers, a source of solutions um, because they really understand their customer and their customer is in such a relationship with them that they go to them. Those are the companies that are going to succeed. They understand and are starting now, have already started building that relationship with their customer and their clients. Thank you very much, Sarah. Love it. And let's go to Andrew Steen. Andrew, 60 seconds. What what have you got up your sleeve for a prediction today, Andrew? I think I would say that I believe marketing in the future is going to look a lot more like education than traditional marketing. So people are self-learning. The Internet is giving them that opportunity. And so the, the companies that can shift to educating those customers every day, not just when they're in a sales cycle, they're the ones that are going to win. And if you take a look at, you know, some of the previous shifts we've seen in the past where 
companies like Toys R Us or Sears, um, they failed when they, from the bricks and mortar. They failed to invest in that user experience. And um, you think they've had challenges ever since. This shift that we're moving to actively ongoing, actively managing your ongoing customer and deeply understanding what it is that they need, continually evolving, I think that's going to be as big or bigger a shift than what we saw in the end user experience from a website perspective for retailers, because this is going to affect all businesses. So that, I think, is what's going to happen is this shift to customer management every single day. And not everybody's doing it today, so there's a lot of room for improvement. Thank you very much. We have two minutes left, and that's just enough time for me to thank you and thank the sponsor of this series, Lorraine Maurice at SAP, and Allison Tomoff, who put this episode together. Allison, great job as always. We've been talking about B2B loyalists, the journey to lifelong brand loyalty. Stop focusing on your products. Stop focusing on your services. Put the customer at the center. This is the experience economy. This is time for customer-centric. Let it trickle all the way up to the C-suite. and Let it trickle all the way down to your frontline people, whether they're customer service agents or tellers or checkers or packers or whatever. I don't think enough businesses are paying attention to this. Just my two cents. So I want to thank also our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, at the Business Channel of Voice America Radio, World Talk Radio. Thank you for getting us on the air and keeping us here, Aaron. We really appreciate you. And now it's time for me to give my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. We never talk about who actually designs those seatbelts and whether we can get designer seatbelts. Sarah, I think I want a designer seatbelt. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> See if you can find me a business. We, we I think we can custom- make that happen. We need to make a make-for-me one-on-one. So fasten your seatbelt, whatever it looks like. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today, just like Rob Levin at RSL Media. Always a pleasure, Rob. Just like Sarah Robinson at Fierce Loyalty. I hope you'll come back, Sarah. We loved having you. And just like Andrew Steen at SAP, always welcome to come back, Andrew. Have a great day. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.